Hey, it's Brandon here and I have some big news. Seven Figure Millennials is now beyond curious. I am so excited for this new brand and I would highly encourage you to go check out episode number 140 for all of the juicy details. But as a teaser for episode 140, the central question for Seven Figure Millennials, the original show from the beginning was, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? I spent over 1,000 hours researching this question and published 139 episodes. And after all of that, I have an answer. And I put together that answer in a legit masterclass that weaves together clips from previous guests all to answer that question. So if you wanna hear my answer, the why behind Beyond Curious and the vision moving forward, go check out episode number 140. But you are here listening to this episode, which I know is amazing, but I would just highly recommend you also check out episode number 140 for the full explanation behind the rebrand. All right, here's your episode. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Seven Figure Millennials Podcast, where it is my job to help you to prioritize your happiness, health, and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. And if today's your very, very first episode, I wanna say welcome, super excited to have you here. And if you're returning, I wanna say welcome back. I wanted to say how grateful I am and I really appreciate you. But whether you're new or returning, today's guest that we get to hang out with is Lieutenant Colonel Waldo Waldman. Waldo is an MBA, a Hall of Fame leadership keynote speaker, executive coach, and author of the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller, Never Fly Solo. Known as the Wingman, he is an Air Force Academy graduate, combat decorated air fighter pilot, and an expert in resilience, courage, and helping leaders accelerate performance in changing environments. His clients include Marriott, American Express, the Denver Broncos, and Verizon, and he's been featured on CNN, Fox News, and the Harvard Business Review. In this episode, you're going to learn so much, but I want you to look out for three specific moments. One, how Waldo went from being claustrophobic and afraid of heights to flying 65 combat missions and 2,650 flight hours and then completely shifting careers to eventually become an inductee into the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame, which is an award that has only ever been given to 250 people, including speaking legends like Zig Ziglar, Ronald Reagan, and Les Brown. Number two... How on one mission, Waldo's wingman, Pigpen, saved his life by helping him to outmaneuver four missiles the size of 55-foot telephone poles and what that story has to do with helping you to overcome great obstacles in your life. And number three, how understanding Air Force principles like chair flying and checking your six can help you to adapt to massive change and be more resilient. One last thing before we kick things off, I want to give a pre-show listener shout out, which this week goes to JHL Master Storyteller, who left a review saying, Brandon Fong's curiosity-driven seven-figure millennials podcasts are remarkably open-minded, entertaining, and highly informative, rich in news you can use professionally and personally. Each podcast offers surprising, colorful insights that keep me tuning in for more. So thank you so much, JHL Master Storyteller, for leaving that incredible review. And if you're listening to my voice right now and you haven't left a review yet, you can have Head to sevenfiguremillennials.com slash review to find out exactly how to leave a review. I know sometimes people don't even know how, so it'll tell you exactly how. And if you choose to leave a honest review, I have a little thank you gift I want to give to you that will reveal exactly how I get incredible guests like Waldo on the show and how you can get the connections you need to grow your business. So again, all that can be found out on how to leave the review and get the bonus gift. If, if you choose to leave an honest review, that can be found at sevenfiguremillennials.com slash review. And that's the number seven, not spelled 
spelled out. So sevenfigurebillennials.com slash review. So with all that said, please enjoy flying this mission with myself and my new wingman, Lieutenant Colonel Waldo Waldman. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. All right, Colonel Waldo Waldman, the wingman, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here. Great to be here, Brandon. Yeah, so I thought we'd start with, uh, you have so many incredible stories, but one of the stories that was just totally gripping to me when I saw you, uh, a video that you had presented with, uh, you talk about being in, walking into a squadron in your Aviano Air Base in Northern Italy, you're planning for tomorrow's mission and the loudspeaker blares. So would you mind, would you mind sharing what happened uh, at, from that moment moving forward? So... I was deployed in combat and whenever that loudspeaker blares and it says, uh, you know, attention in the squadron, you better be be ready to rock and roll. Right. Because uh, likely something's happening. So I was there and they said that our commander, Dave Goldfein, uh, was just shot down and that they were commencing search and rescue procedures. And, and you kind of think to yourself, you know, golly, like, what if that was me? Right. What if that was my day of being shot down? And it brings the whole reality of that combat deployment to fruition that this stuff can happen to you and you have to be prepared and thank god it isn't you right now this was our commander he eventually became a four-star general the chief of staff of the united states air force pretty amazing and so uh getting ready to to do that search and rescue and then get out there and put our own lives on the line to make sure this man is brought to freedom with his family was a pretty surreal moment and it really brought uh, the entire deployment and combat to fruition for me and my wingman that day. Yeah. So you've, you've flown 65 missions. So, I mean, I'm sure those loudspeakers, you know, you never get comfortable with being called. I'm sure that gets uh, scary. So what was kind of walking, what was going through your head when you hear that, that your, your commander is shot down? Like, can you just walk us through kind of what you had to do in order to go about that rescue mission? So you, you feel an inordinate amount of responsibility because one of your brothers or sisters in arms are shot down. And so it makes you realize how important it is for you to prepare for that mission and make sure he gets back. And so the training, the preparation, this is real world. This guy may die. This guy may get captured, become a POW. You put yourself in his shoes and it makes you become very empathetic, which I think is an important part of being a good trusted partner, that wingman, and realizing that, hey, Colonel Goldfein, in the air wasn't flying solo, but now that he's on the ground, we're not going to let him survive solo, right? We're going to make sure that we're going to be there for him. So you rally the troops. Everybody is focused on bringing this guy back home. You, uh, you get mission focused, not relationship focused. Sometimes it's not because it doesn't matter if you like the guy or not. If you like the girl or not, you are there to protect him, to bring him back home. He's your wingman. And so you become focused on the mission. And when you focus on the mission, you train, you prepare, you're courage-based, not uh, fear-based, and you just make things happen. And the wings that you have on your chest are put to 
the test and you're relying on your brothers and sisters in arms to bring him back to justice and home too. So uh, it's a team effort, undoubtedly. Yeah. So I can only imagine people listening to this right now, like you've flown 65 combat missions. You've, you've done all these incredible superhuman feats, but I know one of the things in researching your content is that you've had to overcome some massive fears in order to be in that cockpit in order to do the things that you did. And so I know there were specifically two big ones that, that typically, when you say a fighter pilot, it's like, oh, you shouldn't be afraid of those two things. But, you know, as somebody that, it, that as a speaker, and you're always trying to be a vulnerable and raw, would you mind maybe sharing what those fears were in order to get to that place of actually being able to serve on those missions? So number one, you know, look, at the end of the day, I think we can all understand you're always afraid of dying, right? You're f- afraid of being shot down, becoming a POW, afraid of letting your wingman down, right? Am I going to be able to accomplish the job at 30,000 feet at night over Iraq or 500 feet over mountainous terrain in Afghanistan? Will I be able to execute? So the fear of performance and failure while performing is very, very common. And this, why, this is why we always go back to the training. The training, the preparation, your skill set and your mindset allows you to build that confidence and courage to go in there and execute. So those that are watching or listening right now, your fears may be a byproduct of your lack of preparation. You know, you and I talked about getting on this call, the, the, the preparation that you put into understanding my content, the pre-prep videos, my office, my lighting, getting on the call, ready to go. Uh, that confidence in being able to execute the mission is a byproduct of preparation. So what I'm saying is don't kid yourself, people. You've got to prepare. Luck and courage go to the prepared. Put in the time, learn the skills, develop the acumen, which is critical, which goes back to that other thing other than skill set, which is mindset. And so, so the fear of failure and letting down your team is obviously critical, but you don't want to be the one that lets them down. But you also want to have trust in the partner, trust in the teammate, trust in your wingman to execute the mission. And so while I was afraid, I knew that we all had amazing training and preparation as fighter pilots. I all knew we went through serious discipline and, and uh, had consistency across our squadron that everyone, by the time they earned their wings was prepared to go. So that confidence and trusting that my wingman or wingman would be there for me is so critical. So as you're going through challenges in your life, do you have faith and confidence in your teammates, in your suppliers, in your family, in your buddies who will check your six, your blind spots, who'll call you out, who'll be there for you if a missile gets shot at you or if you, God forbid, get shot down? That inspires you to overcome your fear, knowing that somebody is there for you. So I'm telling you, Brandon, and those that are listening, man, it's scary as heck going into battle. But when you know that you have teammates who have your back and are going to support you, confidence gets inspired and you can accelerate that courage necessary to win. And the last thing, and and we'll go through this because I know it's the next thing is, is there are things that are outside your control or maybe that were inside your control that suddenly aren't. And one of those things that I dealt with was having massive claustrophobia as a fighter pilot, which I'd love to share with you, Brandon, because a lot of folks have anxieties and fears and doubts that they may not think they have control over. And it was something that I fought with and battled against for most of my Air Force career. 
Yeah. Claustrophobia. And, and if I remember correctly, like when you were preparing and you were in, um, you know, you had, you had to, there was a, I don't remember the specific context where you were, but you had to jump off of a diving board, a 30 foot diving board in order to, uh, actually graduate from the air force. And like, you actually are afraid of heights too, if I remember correctly, is that correct? So so I was massively afraid of heights and had to jump off this 10 meter board, 33 feet in order to graduate the Air Force Academy and even get considered for pilot training. It was a prerequisite and some people didn't do it. And uh, I was the last of my class to do it, but I faced my fear and uh, stepped out of my comfort zone, which I think we need to do. We all have those 33 feet high diving boards in our life that are holding us back from the next level of success, that next level of risk that's necessary to grow our business, our life, our entrepreneurship, our relationships. Yeah. And, and so you also have this, this really, really powerful saying in relation to overcoming fears. And, you know, as somebody that had claustrophobia and as somebody that was afraid of heights and is flying these F-16s. So love lifts and fear drags. Would you mind sharing a little bit about what that means to you and how we can leverage that in our lives? So love lifts and fear drags. I, I guess it depends. And, and I want to challenge you and the listeners and viewers to think about what it is they love. If you're a parent, you probably love your kids. I would hope so. If you're in business, you probably love the thrill of the of the fight, the excitement. If you love uh, love uh, chocolate chip ice cream, right? You love animals, which I do. I love animals, ice cream, chocolate, anything chocolate, right? I love my <laughs> wife and kids. I love excitement. I love challenge. And I love people, especially when I build authentic relationships with them. And so... As you're dealing with fear, it's going to try to drag you down and paralyze you from stepping into your jet, pushing up the throttle, releasing those fear brakes and taking off. And so when that happens and you're overcome with anxiety and doubt, fear of failure, fear of loss, fear of embarrassment, fear of public speaking, fear of not being good enough, whatever those fears are, and we all have them because we're all human beings. And I don't care if you're a Top Gun fighter pot like me or just an average Joe or Joanne, scrap it and make it work in your world. We all have those human fears. And what I did when I was dealing with my fears, either on the edge of that diving board or at 30,000 feet on an eight hour night mission in Iraq is I would have to get focused on what I love. Let me describe it to you. Let's talk about that diving board. When I was on the edge of that diving board, right, I was single at the time, 18 years old. I was looking down, right? And so my future was before me. And my future was my career, being a fighter pilot, something that I was in love with, my a goal, a compelling goal, right? You have compelling goals, Brandon, as a young guy running this podcast, building seven-figure speaker business, et cetera. And there's people watching, listening, who have a compelling goal, a drive that they love that, that keeps them up at night, but what gets them out of bed. And so you got to be focused on that. What is it that you love, that passion, your business, the dog, your kid, and you've got to be focused on that. And then when you focus on what you love, your future, your career, the human relationships that you have, you're no longer focused on that fear of heights that you have, your anxiety, your phobia. And anybody watching this, if you have a, a best friend or if you're, I know there's a lot of young kids watching this, but if you have a brother or sister that you truly love. Or if you're a parent and you're looking down that diving board and see your, your children screaming, mommy, daddy, help me. 
you're going to jump, right, Brandon? You could jump for those people that you love. Who is it that you love? I'm curious. Who would you jump for, Brandon? My wife. (laughs) My wife is obviously the first one. Any any family member, the incredible mentors I've had in my life. There's so many people I jump for. (laughs) Yeah. And it makes you really think about that because when you're really facing your fear, and I did this Got to get focused on what you love, your future, and who you love. And if, if I, you know, as a parent, I don't care if it's a hundred foot diving board, I'm jumping off that diving board. If my wife's screaming, Rob, help me, or Waldo, help me, I'm jumping. So you distract yourself from yourself by focusing it what it is that you love. You don't care what other people think. You don't care about anything else but taking care of that person or focusing on that dream. And you're going to, you've got to do this. And, you need to keep that compelling goal, that love vision inside, either visually in your office, uh, on, a, on a dream board, a picture of your spouse, your kids, your loved ones. And so that's really important. But what I did when I was in battle as a 30-year-old fighter pilot leading men and women in combat and sometimes flying on the wing of my flight lead, when I had those panic attacks, the claustrophobia that was a byproduct of a scuba diving accident that I almost died in. In the lowest of my lows, when my heart was pounding, when I was freaking out, I would focus on my wingman, the guy or gal that I was flying with who needed me to win, to survive. Check their six, which we could talk about a little later, you know, their blind spots. Where are the missiles coming? Are they doing okay? You know, stay focused on keeping them safe. I was their leader. They needed me. And when somebody needs you, when somebody's depending on you, then you realize that love is a byproduct of service. So I was serving these folks. I was serving by focusing on them and being their wingman, their trusted partner, prepared, having their back. And when you distract yourself from yourself by focusing on your team who needs you, back to what I was saying before as well, then you become present. Then your fear no longer is at the top of your mind. It gets subjugated and sublimated to people, to human, heart to heart. And you realize the inordinate responsibility you have as a human being to help others out. And that's what I think everyone should do when you're in the darkest of moments, to reach out for help, to find that wingman who can lift you up. But also think of those other people in the dungeon of despair, paralyzed by their fears, who are maybe in a worse position than you, and you reach out to them, figure out a way to have their back, support them, lift them up, and you'll find in your life that you'll build so much amazing relationships. And it may not, the the success may not come immediately from that person, but you're going to build this character, this reputation of love and service that will serve you so well. May not necessarily, may not be monetarily at first, but those relationships that'll eventually lead to revenue and assets in life. That's the key. And I, and I just believe strongly in this, especially in particular for the young men and women who are watching this, who, who may not have garnered enough relationships in their lives because it's so important. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. That was one of the biggest takeaways I had in going through your content is I think that as young entrepreneurs or actually plenty of entrepreneurs, whether they're young or old, lots of people set these crazy goals and they're focused on externally, like what the, what the money is in their bank account or how big their business is going to be and that kind of stuff. But like in order to grow, that's one of the things I've understood from learning your content is focusing on others, not yourself is like really once you, once you, if you really want that next level of motivation, it's not going to be that, that crazy. I mean, it could be that crazy goal that you set, but when you focus on serving others, 
it, you'll, you'll, you'll move mountains. At least that's that, that, that it's the way it is for me is like, I want to, you know, retire my parents, buy, buy a, a nice home for my parents. And one of my goals for my mentors is to buy her a white 740i BMW. I'm not even a car guy, but like, she's not allowing me unless I, I have to have a, I have to buy this car outright. She's like, you can't save for it. You have to like make this one purchase. Uh, so that's my goal is to buy her that car. But I, that's a, what I found in my life is when I focus on serving others, it is insanely more motivating to me than any goal that I may be setting for myself and my business. Well said and very, very important. And and it's not to say, and I don't want to discount the fact that you got to prepare. The most important wingman or wingman there is at the end of the day is yourself. The person staring back at you and you zip up your flight suit in the morning or brush your teeth and say, do I trust her? Do I trust him? Am I prepared? Am I flying by the seat of my pants today? Did I work on my inner courage, my health and fitness? Did I read the books, attend the seminars, listen to these podcasts? Have I worked on my character, my, my integrity, all those things that, are, that make up the blood, not the muscle of your character? So the hard work and confidence that you build in that person staring back at you is so important so that you can give something away to somebody else because you have skills, you have character, you have all those non-negotiables that are critical to building a relationship and a business in life. So keep, as Jim Rohn, I know, I think you're, I'm sure you're familiar with him. I think there was something on uh, in some of your writing that I read said, you know, work harder on yourself than you do on the job. Mm-hmm. I call it working on that inner wingman, that inner wing ma'am that that's inspiring you to prepare every single day. You know, every day I try to read something spiritual. I read different books. I attend seminars. I, I seek out others who are smarter than me and humbly ask for help, right? Mm. So keep working on yourself. And then that next level is obviously, hey, in the, in the interim, share your diamond of content, your diamond of skill with others and give it away freely and build that reputation capital. And somebody you're going to impact, maybe not today or next week or next year is going to pay it forward for you. And you're just going to build that amazing reputation that's that's rare these days of that trusted partner. And you're going to find business and opportunities and relationships and money just coming your way. And so you can buy a couple uh, BMWs on your own as well. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So you you like foreshadowed three topics that I absolutely want to dive into. And I know somebody's probably listening. He's like, wait, 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 Brandon. He just said he almost died in a scuba diving accident. You didn't ask him about that. So <laughs> wait, before we go into checking six and asking for help, which are two other topics I want to make sure we cover, would you mind sharing that, that crazy story of what happened to you when, when you were underwater and scuba diving? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If there's any good interview, you're keeping the, the, uh, the guest on track. Well done, Brandon. So, so, uh, all right. So, so I graduated pilot training after the Air Force Academy. I eventually went to pilot training. Remember 33% of people wash out of the Air Force Academy, 33% wash out of pilot training, 33% wash out of almost any training there is in the Air Force the intense training, because we want to wean out the, the weak or the, or the non-resilient or the ones that aren't working hard because we want to be the best of the best. Now, only several percent, you know, maybe one or two percent out of the entire uh, pilot training community eventually get to fighters. And I was able to get to that position. But what happened was three years into my flying career, uh, I was doing great. Uh, flying was awesome. I was building a great reputation, instructor pilot of the year and all this great stuff. I went to the Caribbean with some buddies of mine and went scuba diving for the first time. Five seconds into the water, I was wishing I paid just a little more attention to the mission briefing. Right? <laughs> I'm thinking I'm a pilot, man. What can these guys 
doofed me. You know, it's just give me a mask. I'll jump in the water. And I'll be good. And so I realized I didn't prepare enough. I realized I wasn't competent in my skills. I realized that the guy who was training me did that 15 minute crash course, assuming that I knew what the heck I was doing, which was completely wrong. So I'm flailing like an idiot. Lactic acids building up on my body. I freeze from head to toe, can't move. And my mask separates inadvertently, malfunctions. And I inhale a whole lung full of burning, stinging salt water. Felt like my lungs were on fire and ready to explode. I choked it to the mask, freaked out, had a panic attack, thought I was going to die. No combat mission could even come close to that day. And I got out of that water and said, I'm never doing that again. And so a few days later, folks, I'm back in the cockpit flying a training mission, not combat. And we were flying in terrible weather. Clouds, thunderstorms, lightning. I couldn't see the sun, couldn't see the ground. I was socked into what's called the soup. It's like flying through mushroom soup. And I started to feel anxious and panicky thought there was something wrong with my oxygen as I began to, to get a little uh, hyperventilate. I got a little hypoxic, but I realized that there wasn't anything wrong with the oxygen, but there was everything wrong with me. And I had a panic attack and realized I had claustrophobia, not the best thing for a pilot to have, right? And I had the same type of panic attack that I had just a few days before, but instead of being 35 feet in the water, now I'm 35,000 feet in the air. And I had basically PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. It didn't come from a combat mission. It came from scuba diving and it manifests itself in another cockpit with another mask in the plane. And so for the next eight years of my 11-year active duty flying career, almost 3,000 hours of flight time, every time I strapped into that cockpit to do what I love more than anything else, fly jets, I had to deal with this, this fear, this anxiety and doubt that threatened to paralyze my ability to do that job. And I never quit. It was an extremely difficult thing for me to overcome, but it helped me develop the resilience and competence and courage necessary to face future fears in my life. And I think there are folks that are watching this right now, maybe you included, Brandon, who have some fears and doubts, you know, things are going great for you. And suddenly that panic attack happens, the loss, the anxiety, the test results, the COVID-19, the lost sale, the lost relationship, and you may wake up with a whole new paradigm of life. The key is, what are you going to do? And will you make the choice to fly every day and turn that fear into, into courage, which eventually leads to growth? Yeah. Love that story. Thank you so much for sharing. And I know one of the people that has been one of your wingmen for your entire life that is that has really helped you get through so much. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of viewing this as, as related to the crazy mission you were just flying. We we're talking about going through mushroom soup, which is a crazy visualization, by the way. <laughs> Can't imagine what it'd be like to fly through mushroom soup, but I can only kind of picture what that's like. Yes, but um, yes. what what one of your um, one of your main wingmen is you actually have a twin brother. And uh, I, I know this is somebody that, that, that has been there for obviously your entire life. But um, sometimes when you have a crazy mission, you have to, you, you used to call him up on the phone. So would you maybe a little telling a little bit about your relationship with your brother and how he supported you and some of the things that he taught you being your wingman for your entire life? 
Yeah, I think I, I got to have a picture of him. But as a matter of fact, he's literally upstairs. He's visiting from Charlotte. Uh, he's <laughs> here with his uh, 16-year-old son. He's upstairs. He's actually leaving tomorrow. I would jump, run upstairs and get him, but he's probably doing his own work. But so, yeah, so he's my best friend in the world. You know, I was fortunate to have that person growing up who no matter what would be there for me. And, uh, you know, I always say he's the only person I jump in, jump in front of a train but also throw in front of one, right? Because the people that you love often, it's 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 black and white and love and hate sometimes. And I, I'm being facetious about it, but good friends drive you crazy. People that you love drive you crazy because they make you realize your own weaknesses. They make you very aware of your insecurities and doubts and faults. And so the testing that's a byproduct of your relationship with people uh, maybe even your spouse or your best friend, they should challenge you to look inward and and uh, and push you to grow. And so not every relationship or friendship should always make you feel good and happy and joyous. Maybe they're meant to piss you off, to make you look inward, to humble you, to maybe fill you with doubt because they tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. To say you're looking a little little fat these days or Rob, do you realize your, your, uh, how you communicated with your friend or do you, you know, you're, you seem a little out of shape or you seem depressed or down, or I wouldn't do that if I were you. So, so make sure that the people in your life are encouraging you to grow, not just be yes men and yes women. And and my twin brother is that for me, as well as all my friends. I love my friends because they call me out and call my bluff. And like I said, sometimes piss me off. So my dad always said, be careful you spend time with on the weekends. We need to remember, even outside of business, the people in our formation, the twin brothers, our friends, our partners, the people we're playing softball or poker with or going to the movies with, make sure they're emulating the standards and character of excellence and integrity and commitment and honor that are essential to great leaders. And I think a lot of kids today, younger folks in particular, make the make the fault of hanging out with people who drag them down. They create fear and insecurity and drag in their life because they're not emulating excellence and aptitude and courage and work ethic and honor and integrity. Goes back to the fear drags, you know. And uh, sometimes you got to jettison those things in life as well. One thing that we do in combat, I'll get back to my twin brother in a second, is when you need to maneuver away away from the missiles, you jettison everything on your aircraft, the the fuel tanks and the weapons even. I'm showing you a fighter jet right now. These weapon systems here, if you have to maneuver because you're getting shot at, you need to be as light and, and maneuverable as possible. So you jettison everything hanging on your jet. This also used to have some, yeah, these big bombs here weigh a lot. And so you got to jettison everything that's weighing you down so that you could be maneuverable. And for some of us, it could be the negative relationships that we have, mm. the people, the wing nuts in our life, not the wing men and wing women, maybe the bad habits you have, bad health and fitness, the, your habits and rituals and things that are your disciplines, but not necessarily your good disciplines. So be aware of what they are and be willing to jettison those and release them so that you're more maneuverable and lighter in life. It'll help lift you up to newer heights. So uh, any thoughts on that? I don't want to go on and yeah, rant here, no, Brandon, but I'll talk no, about No, thank my- you. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think one thing that I wanted to ask as a follow-up, and I think it's related to this topic is you, you've also talked about the three most powerful words uh, that, that exist and it, in its relation to your, your twin brother and also what you were just talking about. So would you mind sharing the three most powerful words in, yeah. in our language? <laughs> so it went back to what my twin brother taught me uh, and emulated when I was going on in the battle. So imagine having claustrophobia, right? Which I dealt with. And, you know, it's like a scar of character. It's like a callus of character. Yeah, or a scar, you know, I've got a scar. Uh, actually, uh, um, I went uh, surfing in Bondi Beach in, in Australia. I got a little scar here. It looks like I sliced myself, but it was from the surfing board. And scars are always present. And if you focus on a scar, even scratch them, they become red and more visible. So your fears are always going to be there. They're never going to go away. But you can subjugate them and sub- sublimate them and have your courage and confidence relationships and health and fitness and positivity and focus, elevate so high that it just diminishes that, that negativity. But when I was having my worst moments, flying a seven or eight hour night mission in Iraq or Kosovo, before I walked out the door, I would often call my brother, Dave, because I had an ego. I didn't want to share with my buddies. I was that I was scared and full of doubt and anxiety. And all of us were, by the way, I don't care if you're a, a, a Medal of Honor winner, most of us, most of those folks, and I would almost guarantee everyone in combat has that fear that's just totally overwhelmed by courage. I would call Dave and say, listen, Dave, I don't know if I could do this. I'm freaking out. I'm getting ready to fly this mission. And he'd say something like, Rob, I love you. I care about you. My twin brother, my best friend, you've flown 50 of these missions already. Go out there, make me proud. You can do this. So he'd give me his little motivational speech. And what he was saying, but what wasn't coming out of his mouth was, I believe in you. And it goes back, not just to having confidants in your life who who are going to back you up and partners who are going to have your six and support you, but also who believe in you, who see your very best, and who create environments where you can say the three most important words in life, which are, I need help. Those are the wingman's call to action. And so what I learned then, and what I would challenge everybody watching and listening to this, is to be willing to be vulnerable, to take off your mask, ask for help from folks, be willing to Show them your warts and scars and fears and give them the opportunity to inspire you. Give them the gift that's a result of service, the joy that results knowing that you're, they're lifting you up. And you only do that by having the confidence in yourself to say, I can't get there from here. I have a weakness. I have a blind spot, an anxiety, a panic attack, something that's holding me back. But I've got men and women who I have relationships with who I'm willing to ask for help. And they'll keep, they'll fill that blind spot for you. They'll believe in you. They'll give you good advice. They may say, hey, you know what? Maybe it's not right for you to fly this mission. Time out. Don't take this risk. Here's how you can become more confident. And you're like, you know what? Maybe I'm deciding to fly a little too early. Maybe I haven't put in the time. Thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you for kicking my butt. We need hugs these days, but we also need people who are going to kick our butt. And say, what are you doing, dumb, dumb guy or gal? You know, you can do better than this and say, man, you're right. 
And so this is my New York fighter pot way of just saying, look, keep working on those relationships. Sometimes, sometimes in all due respect and honesty, we are not ready to fly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have an inflated stock price. Sometimes we're flying in Cessna's prop planes instead of F-16 fighter jets. And we need to change our weapon system. Then it goes back to what I was saying before, that lift and drag. But maybe those weapons and tools that are on your airframe need to be upgraded. We got to retool ourselves, learn new skills and techniques, just like you talk about, Brandon, in this amazing podcast that you're doing, right? Your lighting, your audio, all the tools that you need that build the confidence to create a great product. So retool yourself. And maybe that may not just be about business. It may be about your health and fitness, the people that you're hanging out with. Once again, your habits and patterns and tools that that allow you to fly to new heights. Yeah. Just so you don't miss it. I need help. So simple yet. So, so freaking powerful. Like just the one thing I want to add on top of that is that I feel like lots of times people feel like it's a weakness to ask for help. But in reality, what I found is that if you don't ask for, let me, let me put it this way. When you genuinely help someone and you can make a difference in someone's life, it feels good. Like you feel great about being able to help and support someone. So, but if you flip it, asking someone for help. If you don't ask someone for help, you are robbing them of their ability to actually help and support you. And I think that that's a really important thing to understand is that, you know, it makes it a little bit easier for me to ask for help when I realize that it is actually as much as it's helping me, like when I'm able to genuinely help and support someone and help them achieve a new goal it is incredibly powerful for myself as the person that is supporting. So just right, keep that right. in mind as well. Yeah. And, and I call it asking with honor and, and taking with honor, giving and taking with honor. I ask with honor, because I know deep down that I'm going to help other folks in the future. I'm going to pay it forward. I'm going to ask honorably because I'm going to respect and appreciate the person that's helping me. They're going to get a handwritten note. They're going to get yeah, appreciation and authentic thanks from me. I'm going to share some of my gifts with them. They may be helping me in an area and a blind spot that I have. Doesn't mean I don't have a tool or an asset or a relationship or resource that I can't give them right? And, and sometimes you just can't give anybody anything. You just have to take and take and take, do it with appreciation and honor, and then just pay it forward. So don't feel guilty. The only time you should feel guilty is if you're really not paying it forward and you're not doing yeah. it out of appreciation and love and respect for that person helping you. And we know that there are bloodsuckers, the ones that don't massage craniums, they pick brains, right? Don't be a <laughs> brain picker, right? Massage the relationship, give them a little head massage. Hey, mind if I, you know, massage your head, your cranium a little bit and get some advice. So yeah, I just see this a lot of time because some folks are, you know, are are takers, others are givers. You you need to do both with honor. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, man, I can't, time is just flying. I have so much I want to get through. So maybe, maybe I'll put a little little challenge on you. Maybe if we could try to try to get a few things in there, because there's so many things I think are so valuable that I want, want you to share, but there are a few things that you've alluded to a bunch that I want to clean up on uh, and then lead up to a few other things. So you mentioned checking six a bunch. And uh, I know it's a very, very important concept in your content. So maybe would you be able to kind of kill two birds with one stone and tell us about the importance of checking six and what it is and tell us the story about uh, being shot at in Serbia and what that had to do with what checking six had to do with actually saving your life. You got it. So, so my book, Never Fly Solo uh, talks about this in greater detail, but I'm going to show on the screen here. You can see that cockpit for the, if you're showing that video, it's a fighter pilot in a cockpit, a tiny little jet, and I'm showing it as well here. 
you can't really move much in that F-16, right? You can't. Yeah. And if you're listening, if you're listening, if you're listening to like, you're, you're really strapped in, like you can't turn your neck behind you, right? You're, you're in a tiny little cockpit, barely able to move. And so you can't see your blind spot. You can't see your vulnerable position, which is your six o'clock, 12 o'clock south front, three o'clock to the right, nine o'clock to the left, right? But behind you, you can't see. But if you have a wingman next to you, you're right three o'clock or left nine o'clock, it's easier for them to look over their shoulder and see that blind spot to see what you can't see. And to call out the threat to you to tell you what we call break right or break left, turn right or turn left, to tell you to take action. So many times in life, you need that wingman to provide that perspective to call out the blind spot that you may not see because of your lack of experience, lack of skill, lack of relationship, knowledge. But somebody in your life may have that resource and insight to build that situational awareness because they understand something better than you. And they may see something different because we all have those blind spots. And so wingman is going to call out the threat, be proactive in checking your six, and then tell you to take action and maybe give you feedback once again that you may not want to hear but need to hear. And so two things when it comes to building those collaborative relationships and having folks who can build your check six culture is to number one, be approachable. We all have folks who you don't want to approach them because they're going to get defensive or ticked off or angry. They let their ego get in the way of listening to advice. They're not approachable. And so a great commander, a great wingman, a great partner, a great mentor, and even a supplier in your business is approachable. You can tell them what, you, what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And so make sure you open to feedback and don't rip people's legs off at the knees because they piss you off because they care about you. You know, they're going to grab your keys if you've been drinking before you drive, right? You want that type of person, right? And so also be coachable. Be coachable. Show up the dumbest guy or gal on every phone call, every webinar, every conversation you have. Be receptive to coaching. For those of you that invested in this podcast, good on you. You're coachable. You're going to get something out of here today, maybe 50 minutes or maybe five minutes of content that could relate to you today because you're humble enough to know that you may not know it all. So seek out content, relationships, and intel. Be coachable and keep working. And that's part of a great squad that has a check six culture. Uh, Folks who have each other's back. And so those are the best wingmen to have who are going to have your back and see your blind spots. Uh, and you want to have a diverse enough relationship with people who have different skill sets to fill in those blind spots that you may have. Yeah, love that. And would you maybe really quickly mind telling us about how checking six has saved your life when you were flying over Serbia and, and, and that mini story there? Yeah, yeah. So so uh, on one mission, I had four missiles launched on me. These are like surface to air missiles. I don't know if I have a, a picture of one in here, but it's pretty serious. But they're, they're it's like a 55-foot telephone pole with a bomb on the end, trying to shoot you down and out of the sky, right? And that's that's pointing up at you. And so one mission I was flying, and I I, I had some missiles launched at me, and my buddy Pigpen, Pigpen, called out, you know, break right, break right, missiles at your right three o'clock. And he called it out for me. Uh, I helped maneuver, 
uh, help maneuver the missiles out of the way. And then he shot a missile in to take that target out. So he had my back. He was my wingman and helped me survive that day. And many times when we're flying in combat, we're so focused on this particular area. We may not cover this area because that cross check is, is missing it. Now, wingman could see those blind spots, maybe take out the target for you, maybe even uh, uh, build your situational awareness so you can avoid the target as well. And so in combat, it's so critical. And this is why we never fly solo. Yeah. Always How the strongest, you- the weakest link. Yeah, absolutely. How can you invest in those relationships? Who are those people that are you're going to be able to trust when when you have a missile starting at targeting at you? And maybe that missile for you is like like exactly what Walla was saying earlier about, you know, maybe it's something calling you out on something ugly. Maybe it's like they're seeing that you're not sleeping enough. Maybe it's your health or you're about to make a bad business decision. Who are those people that you have, like you said, been coachable enough to allow them to give you that feedback to help you avoid those terrible situations? So, and, yeah. And, and maybe if it's, if it's in your business, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an executive coach uh, for, for people transitioning jobs or, you know, mentor entrepreneurs and all that. I didn't really do that in the last couple of years. And somebody who knew me say, Walter, you're really good at these conversations. You shouldn't just be a keynote speaker or, or workshop facilitator. You should be coaching people. I'm like, you know what? You're right. And so I built up my business that way because I had a blind spot. I didn't see the potential in myself that others did. And they, they had this skill set and gave me some great advice. So this is really important as well. There may be profit centers in your business, areas that you could be uh, uh, capitalizing on, but you just Maybe if I have a blind spot, don't know it. Maybe you don't have the skills to build it up or maybe the relationships in your life who can give you those great ideas. And this is why networking or what I call wing working is important. Mastermind groups, getting around smart thinkers who have different backgrounds and experience levels who can give you insights and check your six in your business and say, Brandon, guess what? Man, you should be starting a podcast or you you should be speaking to high schools or to young adults or to companies with millennials or whatever, right? And you may say, wow, never thought of that. Maybe I should research it. Yeah. So really critical for your business as well when it comes to expanding profit centers and capitalizing on your opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Not not just the threats. And one of my quotes that people have probably heard me say all the time, it's not my quote, but it's like, you can't read the label from inside the jar. And I, I like the check six visualization just as much, if not a little bit better, because it's like, it's, it's just as visual that, that there are so many opportunities that if you're stuck inside of your own jar, if you're in your cockpit and you can't see behind you, sometimes you need somebody to say something that you do so well that you are unconsciously competent at. And they can just be like, hey, you should be monetizing this. Or like you said, turning it into a, a, a profit center inside of your business. So um, uh, in regards to flying feedback, uh, fly, getting feedback, flying feedback, <laughs> in regards to getting feedback, one of the things that I love inside of your books, you talk about this concept of chair flying and being able to fly, uh, fly missions because of your preparation and chair flying. And this has to do a lot with receiving feedback and being able to receive feedback appropriately. So would you mind maybe telling us a little bit about what chair flying is and how we can be better at receiving feedback, maybe outside of the things that you've already shared? 100%. Yeah. A really important insight. And I mentioned before, the reason why many people are afraid is they're not prepared. They haven't invested the time. I got a, a sales lead before for a, a dental conference in November. My twin brother was here and, you know, we share best practices and all that. And, you know, I'm not picking up the phone and calling them until I go to their website. I research, I go on LinkedIn. I study everything I can about the people that are on the board. I find the person who sent me the email. I do a bunch of preparation before I bold call as opposed to cold call, right? So 
So preparation is important. But so back to that chair flying, you got to rehearse the mission. You have to practice the execution. And as fighter pilots, before we jump into an F-16 for real, a $40 million jet, we jump into a, on a $40 seat. <laughs> I just made that up, by the way. Uh, I never used <laughs> I like that it. before. This is great. Innovation starts with conversation, really key. So I got to remember that. Remind me about that. So you're sitting in this $40 seat and you're practicing the radio calls, the throttle maneuvers, the Break right maneuvers, the rolling in on the target, or God forbid, I have an engine fire. What are the procedures? Throttle idle, blah, 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 blah. Maintain aircraft control, analyze the situation. I'm opening up my checklist. So you're practicing not at nine Gs, but at one G on the ground. And so we chair fly everything. We build the confidence that's critical to when the pressure's on in the plane. But here's the kicker that I want you to realize that's very important. I'm going to show another picture of a screen of some coaching. We fly with others. We practice on our own, but we also practice with our peers, our partners, our managers and supervisors, the ones smarter and more skillful than us, because we want them challenging and coaching us. We want to share fly under pressure. Having people ask us compelling questions and challenges, because guess what? When you're in that interview or on that sales call or in the F-16 flying in combat and the missiles are real, you don't have an opportunity to fail. You often get one shot. So practice under pressure because you're going to have that pressure in, in, in real world. So don't chair fly listening to Tchaikovsky. Chair fly with your wingman, your trusted partners, and even your peers who are going to compel you to get better, bruise your ego, embarrass the living heck out of you, but it's better to do it on the ground rather than in the air where you can potentially get your butt shot down. Yeah. And people say so many times you need to visualize, you need to visualize. And I feel like some people it's like, okay, you're beating a dead horse, like saying you need to visualize. But I love the fact that like, yeah, like in what your line of work, not practicing in the chair, not visualizing the potential worst case scenarios, that stuff saves your life is literally the, the most important things you can be doing. And also yeah. I just want to highlight everybody that hasn't been listening to this lens, listen to also what Waldo has been has not been sharing with you. We have a, a like a Hall of Fame speaker. Correct, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but you've been nominated in the Hall of Fame. So like, go back and re-listen to how, how Waldo has been telling these stories. Like he talked about innovating and flying a forty million dollar plane or a forty dollar chair. Another one that he used that was similar is being scuba diving thirty five feet under or thirty five thousand feet in the air. So like, these are things that stick in your brain. So listen to how he's telling stories as well as like outside of the context of this, you can learn a lot from this. He, you've done so many speaking gigs. Yeah, and but. It's not just about speaking. It's about branding as well, Brandon. Yeah. It's about creating language and vernacular and making sticky quotes and philosophies that are relevant relevant to your background. I was a fighter pilot. I was also in sales. I have an MBA. I was in tech, and mergers and, tech sales and mergers and acquisitions. But, you know, the wingtips and chair flying and check six and uh, – your wingmen and wingmans and mayday, mayday or, or, or wing nuts, right? All that language. I even have a glossary in my book, Never Fly Solo. All the little terms that I created, push mm. it up. Uh, it, wingman is actually trademark. Push it up is trademark in the business setting and in, in, in the leadership and coaching realm. So create your language, create your tool. And by the way, folks that are listening to you or me, we may not always resonate. Maybe the language, maybe the philosophy and the style is not resonant with folks. They may not get it. That's okay. 
You can't expect your business, your philosophies, and your content to align with everyone. That's called having a brand. Build it up, like Brandon said. Watch the language. Share good, compelling stories because that's what people remember. Yeah, just to add on top of that, again, if you look at some of the most successful, well, all of the most successful movements in the world, there's like an in crowd and an out crowd. And one of the main components of being able to determine if you're in the crowd or out of the crowd is sharing common language. So I love that you added that and creating this vernacular, as you said, around your content, because, you know, if somebody follows your content and they can converse with somebody else and use check six and, you know, do the, you have the, the, the hand motion that you give people, push it, it really up, just yeah. push, push it up. It just gives people so, uh, so much more camaraderie when they can share in a common language and they be like them. So I absolutely love that. You got yeah, it. So, Thank you, Brandon. Yeah, of course. And, and so there's, I, we're, I know we're coming up on time. So um, hopefully we can maybe, there's two things that I just like, I have them highlighted because I wanted to get them because I thought they were so good. Um, one of them is a, a story about being beware of distractions disguises opportunities. And it has to do with uh, somebody that you admire greatly and his name is General Robin Olds. So would you maybe uh, mind sharing a little bit about how you know, the context of that story and then what it, what it means for us as far as being able to avoid distractions, disguises, opportunities. Yeah. And I, I'm going to abbreviate this a bunch, but Robin Olds sure. was a uh, retired uh, one-star general and he, he was a, a ace, uh, a, a fighter pilot ace, both in World War II and Vietnam. I mean, think about the 20, 30 years between that. Uh, and, and just an amazing guy, but I, I watched him speak in, in Luke Air Force Base in Phoenix, Arizona, when I started my pilot tra- or F-16 transition training. I wanted to see a graduating class and envision that end in mind, as, as you hear, heard said before. You know, I wanted to envision getting my F-16 patch on my shoulder. And so, uh, so he spoke and he shared a quick story. And long story short, basically he was flying in combat with young wingmen over, over uh, Vietnam, trying to take out targets. And they were 30,000 feet or so. And the young wingman, the number four aircraft, the brand new young wingman, call out, hey, team or flight lead, I have enemy aircraft on our nose for 20 miles low, right? General Olds acknowledges. A minute or two passes, the jets are maybe five or 10 miles away, and the number four wingman says, hey, one, this is four. I've got enemy aircraft on our nose for five miles. Low, they were low, Okay. General Olds acknowledged. Minute or so passes, they're right underneath those enemy aircraft. They can all roll in and take them out very easily. And the number four aircraft says, one, this is four, confirmed, cleared to engage the enemy aircraft right underneath us. And General Olds said, negative, press, meaning we are pressing to the target. We are pressing to the objective that was set on the ground four hours ago, sipping a cup of coffee. They went continued to take out the target. I think they were taken out a fuel depot or a bridge. I can't remember. They came back, debriefed. And when it came time for the number four aircraft to sh- share what he saw, because everyone in the formation during a debrief shares the highlights, the good, the bad, the things that went right or wrong. He said, sir, why didn't we take out those aircraft? We all had those aircraft in sight. We all could have been heroes and, and took them out. And he said, first of all, number four, because we don't use names in a debrief. It's never personal. He said, I saw those aircraft five, five minutes before you even saw them. But what you didn't see was the enemy four-ship aircraft, a, a four-ship of formation, right at our right five o'clock high in the sun where we couldn't see them, 
waiting for us to roll in on the decoy or the distraction so that they can come in at our six o'clock, our blind spot, and take them out. And that young wingman turned white as a ghost, a little bit embarrassed, right? As I said before, sometimes your wingman tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear, especially when your life is on the line. And it, it underscores an important point of communication and battle, right? You got to have people communicating. That number four aircraft should have called out the threats. You want to create that, that approachable, coachable mentality in a formation. But many times we are distracted by what we think is important or urgent and not important. We become distracted by opportunities that are disguised or that we, would, we are distracted by distractions disguised as opportunities. We think it's important, but it really isn't. And so your job as a wingman, as a leader, as a coach, a mentor, an entrepreneur is to be focused on those long-term targets, the bridges and fuel depots you need to take out that are going to grow your business, grow your team, grow your life, and not get distracted by residual threats that could be taken out, maybe low-hanging fruit. And that's a really important lesson in relationships and focus and in business. Phone calls, text messages, things that people think are important, it may pull you off of your trajectory and focus in your business and life. Don't let them blow you off target. Stay focused on what's important, but in the same sense, be open to some of the threats that may turn hot on you. Because if those aircraft were indeed factors and went from low to high and we're really going to shoot them down, then you have to transition from taking out targets to taking out threats. This is a very, very important point. Because if we are so focused on just going for the target and we avoid and we just don't even acknowledge the threat that could shoot us down, then that's a recipe for failure as well. Sometimes you got to transition and it may have to do with your health and fitness, some other oppressing things in your life that may may be more important than than your business, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a common theme that we've heard on the show too. Uh, Specifically, I think Mark McShirley shared on it. He he had grown his roofing business from a $600,000 year business to a $10 million year business in a really short timeframe. And one of the things he said is that when you grow, one of the things that's actually a huge uh, detriment to your growth is the opportunities that show up all the time. Because like, if you're not focused on a long-term vision and going after a long-term vision, you can get distracted by all these small things. And so this is, I love that, that, that also that your story that puts a bow on that as well. So, and you, uh, and you, and you only have so many weapons on your aircraft. I have a saying, if you diffuse, you lose, if you, you know, spread out your energy, you're going to lose. You got to be ultra targeted and focused on what's important. Uh, your, your, your assets, your resources, the number of formation aircraft in your formation and the weapons on your jet are, are limited. So use them wisely and or augment it by a partner, outsource it, invest in another partner or, or a resource so that you can potentially go after some other opportunities. But uh, that takes money, investment and time, which we all have limited resources of. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. I have I have one more question. And then the question that I usually ask for guests, is that okay? Or do we need to kind of move towards? No, the, we're good to go. We're good. We're okay. Good. 
All right. So, so uh, one thing that I wanted to make sure I asked you is about uh, on the topic of making tough decisions, because as a pilot, you have to make life or death decisions constantly. And also in your content, you share about one of the decisions you had to make was leaving the, the Air Force and going into business school and then, you know, jumping into entrepreneurship full time. So as somebody that's had to make all these crazy decisions throughout your life, do you have any decision making frameworks or, or ways that you process making big decisions that would be valuable for people that have decisions to make in their lives? Yeah, so wingmen never wing it. A trusted partner doesn't wing it. We don't fly by the seat of our pants. And so when I was getting out of the Air Force, I was very intentional about my decision, very tough decision. I, I stayed in the reserves and wanted to get into business and eventually run my own company, which I'm doing now. But I researched. I seeked out coaches and mentors and uh, a, a former fighter pilot actually lived in Atlanta where I live. When I was moving there, I seeked that, seeked him out, invested in him, gave me some great advice on interview techniques and became my mentor for a couple of years. I, I researched other military folks who made the transition and learned what industry that I wanted to get focused on, which was kind of, uh, yeah, you know, which changed a bit. But I, I really put in time to to seek out others who were doing what I did before and prepared for the transition, okay? Number one. Uh, number two, when it comes to uh, you know, deciding to become a speaker or go into the business world is that you, I, I researched what it was about sales and entrepreneurship. My twin brother was involved in sales. My friend Rick Stark was the software CEO. I, I seeked out others who were doing what I did and said, what do I need to prepare for this? What, what do you think I should be doing to prepare? What, what career field do you think I would be good at? Because sometimes, once again, you can't see the label while you're in the jar. The, the, you can't see your own blind spot. So seek out those folks who are going to give you insights and, and, uh, and, and your ability to adapt. Is that, is that what you were asking? I can't remember the initial context. No, the initial, the initial thing was like making difficult decisions. Like yeah. how do you go about making difficult? So yeah. I think that. And so, so yeah. So, so seek and you shall find, don't fly by the seat of your pants, get a little mini MBA. When I, when I decided to become a speaker, I didn't pick up the phone and start cold calling and trying to get, get gigs. I said, how do I become the best possible speaker? How do I work on my storytelling ability, my platform skills, uh, how do I grow an entrepreneurship, uh, an organization as an entrepreneur, you know, from building an S corporation and opening a bank account, contracts, negotiation? You've got to spend a lot of time developing and building up the weapon system and the airframe before you jump in the jet and fly. Mm -hmm. So invest that time. Uh, don't, don't fly by the seat of your pants and be confident in your preparation. I think that's one of the things that will build more courage when it comes to uh, risking starting new ventures and, uh, and, uh, fulfilling your dreams and going for your uh, opportunities. Yeah. I love that. And I didn't thank him in the beginning, but I know I have Tim Scher to thank for bringing you on the show. I know he's a professional speaker and also Joel Weldon, uh, is an incredible person that's been on my show as well. And I, I absolutely love Joel. So you, you've absolutely sought out some really cool people. And, and just like I said, going through your content, it's been incredible seeing you speak and the content you deliver. If I get a chance to see you in person, I would love to love to make that happen sometime. Yeah. Where do you <laughs> so, live again, Brandon? Where do you Wisconsin. Live? Okay. Yeah. So uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I can find if you're in my area. I don't know if you have a calendar or something like that, but that'd be cool. <laughs> um, so one, one last question I've been asking to all guests and then we can wrap things up is, is, and, and I know it seems kind of like a, a, a big question at times, but you don't have to overthink it, but at, what is, what does happiness mean to you, Waldo today, after all these, all these crazy experiences to you, what does happiness mean for you personally? So 
I, I read something in my spiritual prayers today, and I even made a post about it this morning. And it's about when you live today in fear, it makes tomorrow anxious, right? You suck the joy out of tomorrow if you're living in fear today, because if you're living in fear today, tomorrow, you're probably going to be afraid. So you don't really look forward to that day. You don't look forward to the future. You don't look forward to a future of possibility and excitement. You become, you kind of live in dread. And so for me, happiness is, is, is like truly enjoying the moment, right? And I know it sounds a little passe, but being so distracted by the being, you're so distracted by the moment that you're forgetting about your future. You're enjoying the ride, the experience, this interview with this young guy, Brandon Fong, who I didn't really know about until a few weeks ago, and just sitting here with no intention and no, no uh, ulterior motive than just cutting a vein and sharing what I know about my life as a human being and hopefully making an impact on somebody. And then getting that email, that note from somebody that says, you made a difference for me today. That's exactly what I needed to hear. That content, that one minute piece was enough to create a paradigm of success in my life and help me distract myself from all the crap going on and get me airborne flying, kicking ass. So that to me is what happiness is, right? Being in the moment and living in joy. And the older I get, the more I realize that's important. I got a lot of money in the bank. I've been fortunate to run a good business. So the joy of being present and not distracted by fear is kind of how I would define happiness. Absolutely. Love that. Don't want to add anything on top of that because that was so perfect. So thank you so much for sharing that. Where can people find out more about all the incredible stuff that you got going on, Waldo? All right. So I'm all over social media. If you Google Waldo Waldman, uh, you can see all videos, et cetera. I'm on YouTube. If you want to subscribe to me there, uh, uh, Waldo Wallman is on YouTube, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera. And then I'm also going to give everyone a little, a little gift today. Um, awesome. So if you go to, uh, let's see, let me get to my thing here, blah, blah, blah. So there's a mission ready course. It's uh, five videos on courage, accountability, and, and being building that wingman relationship. If you go to yourwingman.com forward slash MR, like mission ready, all lowercase, yourwingman.com forward slash MR, you'll get those five videos. They'll come to your inbox and then you have an opportunity to get additional ones if you want to get coaching by me, et cetera. Uh, but, but that's how you can uh, take advantage of what we had today. Find me on social media. Let us know that you found me after uh, because of the interview with Brandon. I'm sure you'd appreciate it as well. And uh, that's all I got. Yeah. And go check out Never Fly Solo too. Uh, his book on Amazon, fantastic book. And the audio, I listened to audio and I was listening to audio and reading it. So if you want to hear more of these crazy stories and how you can leverage the experience that he's had, you know, flying 65 combat missions and, and, and growing your business and becoming a better person, go check that out. We highly recommend Never Fly Solo. And so I just wanted to say for, for you listening right now, if you are brand new, I just want to say welcome. It's been an honor having you hang out with me and Waldo today. And I hope you can become a regular 
listener and subscriber. I bring on incredible people like Waldo every single week. And as you can tell, we'd like to go super deep. And if you are returning, I also want to say thank you so much because you are absolutely what makes this possible. I truly appreciate you. And the last thing I will say is if you are new or returning, I have a favor to ask you. And that is if you've been impacted by Waldo's stories, the, the content that he shared about checking your six and building this community of wing men or wing mams to help support you. My life has absolutely been changed by people sharing episodes with me. So if you have a friend that really could use this, that, that you want to you know, develop your relationship as a wing man or wing, wing, wing ma'am and develop that relationship, please click that share button and uh, share Waldo's message because I've been absolutely impacted by it. And I'm truly grateful for having Waldo on the show. So thank you, Waldo, so much for coming. This has been a blast. And I look forward to having the, continuing the conversation. You got it. I enjoyed it as well. Godspeed. Keep pushing it up. The, keep pushing up that throttle, Brandon and team. Never fly solo. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, it's Brandon here again, and I have a quick favor to ask before you head off, and that is if you are listening to my voice right now and you are currently using either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would help me a ton if you could stop what you're doing, take five seconds to tap the number of stars that you think the show deserves. So if you're on Spotify, there's a place to add a star rating right underneath the name of the show. And if you're listening on Apple, just scroll down where you're seeing all the episodes and there's something that says tap to rate. Just tap the number of the stars that you think the show deserves. And you may not know this, but I typically spend over five hours of my own time each week just researching a guest on the show. And then there's the time that's spent recording the show, the intro, reaching out to new guests, and of course, all the editing, publishing, promoting that my amazing wife and high school sweetheart, Leah, helps me to manage. So all that to say, there's a lot that goes on just to get to the point where you listen to this episode. So if you appreciate the content and have 10, five to 10 seconds to spare, it would help a ton if you could leave a quick rating on the show. Extra credit if you choose to leave a review, but just tapping whatever stars you feel the show deserves helps a ton and it takes so little time. So whether you choose to do that or not, I so appreciate you and I'll talk with you soon.